I'd like to welcome everybody to Freedom Church, everybody that's watching online this morning. As Stone said, uh, Pastor Mark and Jackie are celebrating their anniversary, and they are out of town uh, enjoying some much-needed time off, so we just pray that they're having a great time and a relaxing time, and, and Tony's out of town as well, and he's enjoying some well-deserved time off, so uh, how about the worship band stepping up to the plate today? Thank, thank you guys so much. I appreciate that. I am living proof that either Mark went to the bottom of the barrel to find somebody to talk today or that God can use anybody. I think it's a little bit of both. But I'm excited to be able to be here this morning and talk to you. And I'm excited to be a part of this church. I really love Freedom Church. And I love the fact that that the first time my wife and I came into these doors... Not only I tell I tell Mark this and I tell people that I talk to, not only did I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, but I could see it in everybody that's a member of this church. I could see the hearts that people have to serve him. And it really encouraged me and and we have just been welcomed with open arms. And so for me to be able to stand up here today and talk to you, a lot of people didn't know this, but I've been a firefighter for the better part of 30 years, and I've spent the majority of my adult life, right out of high school, I joined the military, and I served almost 14 years in the United States Navy, and I've served in the fire service and and served in volunteer organizations, so I guess you can say that somewhere along the way, God put a spirit of just being Uh, public service or just being of service out there in my heart. Along the way, I've, I've also got to draw some really neat comparisons with regards to my career and where God has taken me in my profession and also into the area of where my faith is and how, and how as Christians, we are all called to be part of a mission. And um, I was trying to find a little catchy uh, phrase for the, for the sermon today to speak with you. And I thought, mission possible. But I said, you know what? I think that it would be neat if we could get mission impossible and cross it out. And I bet you that nobody's ever thought of this. <laughs> and when you Google that, there's like a hundred sermons on this topic right here. So... I knew right away that God was saying, Ken, you need to step out of the way and let me take over because if you think you're going to wow anybody, you are wrong. And uh, so here we go. You know, when we talk about, it's, it's, when we talk about a mission, um, I, I, like I said, I've been a part of the fire service. I've been a part of the Navy. And we all know... We all know that these successful organizations, all of them have a mission statement, right? All of them have something that guides them, that gives them the reason why they're there, their purpose. And if you have your handouts with you today, the scripture that we're going to be focusing on today, if you have your Bibles with you or for my younger generation, if you have your cell phones or smartphones with you, we can turn to chapter the book of Matthew chapter 28, and I want to read this with you. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When I think of some mission statements in my life, when I joined the Navy, the Navy's mission is the mission of the Navy is to maintain, train, and equip combat-ready naval forces capable of winning wars, deterring aggression, and maintaining freedom of the seas. That's the Navy's mission statement. And if you're a member of the United States Navy, you learn to memorize that mission statement because that's the reason why we're there. That's the reason we exist as sailors and being on that ship is to make the seas free, be combat ready if our nation calls on us. The mission of the fire service is to protect lives and property from fire, natural disasters, and hazardous materials to save lives by providing emergency medical services, fire rescue services, and fire prevention programs. So anybody who becomes a member of the fire service knows this, that that's why they're there. They're there to protect lives, to protect property, to help people in their time of need. I think it's important for each of us to understand that, and that each of us has been called to be a part of the mission. Everybody that can hear me in this room right now and online understand that, that you are part of the mission. And as Christians, our mission, Jesus put it plainly and clearly. I've always wondered when I first became a Christian what God's purpose was for my life. I think we all have, have that at some point in our lives where we're, we ask ourselves, why am I here? What's my reason? What's my purpose? And we can get lost a little bit sometimes, even in church. We can come to church and we can, we can sit down and go through the motions, I call it, and still reach this place where we don't really know what our purpose is. But Jesus, being the Lord that he is, painted a perfect picture for us what our mission is as Christians. And it's spelled out in Matthew 28, and it's never changed. That mission has been the same from the beginning of time, and it'll be the same all the way until he comes again. That mission is the same for all of us. So I've got some bullet points for you. If you've got your hand out and you want to write some things down, I know, Mark, if you're watching, you'd be proud. <laughs> so our, our first bullet point, every successful organization has a mission statement. It's the organization's reason for being, its purpose, why it was created to serve. So our mission statement is Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Now, the key word there is to go, to take action. Every once in a while I have the, the privilege of talking to a group of men. And when I do, I normally put this outfit on, and I normally get up there and I talk to them about the importance of taking action, of moving in a direction. And I say that because in the fire service, you can imagine if I dress in this uniform and I'm standing in front of you right now, and I've told every one of you that I'm a firefighter, and I've been doing it for 30 years, 
A lot of you can probably take it on faith that I'm in this uniform right now and that I'm a fireman. However, if an emergency broke out right now in this room and it caught on fire and I screamed and ran out the door and left every one of you in here, you would doubt whether or not I was true to my word. You see, our actions speak a lot louder than our words. And I can tell people all day long that I'm a Christian. But if nobody sees it, and I've struggled with that in my life. I'm a parent. I have children that are grown now. They'll tell you really quick the times I wasn't a Christian, or at least the times I didn't act like it. (laughs) But they'll also tell you that I have a love for God and that I'm a work in progress. All right? And I think we all are, if truth be told. But our mission, our mission. Some people say, well, Ken, I don't feel like I've really been called to the mission. It's not your mission. God's mission. Okay? And yes, you have been called. Every one of us has. Every one of us has an important part in this. Every successful organization, our second bullet point, fulfills their mission by utilizing a shared vision that drives planning. Uh, What is God's vision? I got a couple of verses here. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that none of us should perish, but that all of us should have eternal life. See, God wants a relationship with you and with me, with all of us. And he's gone to the end of the earth to do that. He knows that. He knows you intimately, inside and out. And he sent his son to let you know. That, that speaks volumes to me in my life, to know that a God that created the universe thinks of me. In bullet point three, God chose you for the mission. I love Fairhope. I love going down there, and my wife and I love going down and sitting on our boat and going out there in Weeks Bay and watching the sunset. I'm telling you, just the sunset at Fairhope Pier is spectacular, isn't it? And when you sit there at night and you watch this just painting that God has just painted across the skyline, I just sit there and think about how big God is and how small I am, like a grain of sand on the beach. And yet that same God that's created the heavens and the universe and the blades of grass and everything created you. Created you. And he created you for a relationship with him. And he created you not only for that relationship, but he created you because God doesn't need us, but he chose to need you. Think about that. God doesn't need us. He's, he's, all, he's, he's all sovereign. He's omnipotent. He created everything. But yet he chose to say, you know what, Stone? I need you. Barbara, I need you. 
I need you, Rob. I need you to help me carry out my mission. I need you. I think that's amazing, don't you? That is amazing that he called us to be a part of this great commission, to be a part of that, and we're an important part of that. We're an important part of that. You know that God has you placed in this moment in eternity, in this moment of time, and only you can affect this moment here and now. Nobody else can. Only you. There's only one you. God has given you a circle of influence in your life that only you can influence. You ever notice God attracts us to people that are like-minded, that we like similar things or we like the same music and we end up striking up friendships and we go out to lunch and we, we hang out with them. And Do you think that's a coincidence? Or do you think that God has put you in this circle, this area of influence, so you can start ministering? You can start the commission. There's no mistake there. It's a reality, and he's put us there. And it's, it's really neat to see that because I know when I first became a Christian, I felt like, well, I could never do ministry, right? How am I going to do ministry? I'm not Mark. I can't stand up here and just hit you with just Mark's so gifted. He can just speak and preach and teach, and, and I love him. And I'm going, how am I ever going to get to that place? I'm not a rock star. I can't do that. I'm a firefighter. You know what? God said, that's fine, Ken. I put you around other firemen. I gave you a wife. I gave you children. I gave you a brother. I gave you a sister. I gave you a friend. Why don't you start there? I'll do the rest. (laughs) Amen? It's really that easy from that standpoint. I used to have somebody who encouraged me, who was a, uh, a mentor in my life, godly man, and he said, Ken, I always want you to remember where you're at is where you are. That was profound. <laughs> it was profound, because when I thought about it after a while, I said, you know, he's absolutely right. Where you're at is where you are. So not only are you in this place where you're at, maybe it's in this season of your life, it's, it's apparent, okay? Or maybe it's a friend, or maybe it's a husband, or maybe it's a wife, co-worker. You're at where you are. You're, you're where you are, right? And nobody else is there. You are. So you have this, this area of ministry, this area of responsibility to do what? To help carry out the commission, Right? That no one should perish, but everyone should have eternal life. And so people can see that in you. I kind of smile when I think about it, because I have some friends, when they see me coming, they go, uh-oh, he's a hugger. You know? You're not going to get away from me if I decide I'm going to hug you, okay? And I told my friend, he's like, why are you hugging people all the time? And I said, well, when you get to heaven, you want God to meet you with a handshake or a hug? I want a hug when I get up there. If I give you a hug, that's why. I'm coming after you. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Psalm 139:16. John 15:16. 16. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You know, you may think that, you know what, Ken? I don't have much to offer. I don't, I don't memorize a bunch of scripture, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very well spoken. <clears throat> Can you love? Can you hold somebody's hand? Can you sit with somebody and spend time with them? Start there, you know. Can you, can you encourage somebody? All that happens. We can grow in our faith. But sometimes just reaching out and just being there for people is a start. And it's a great place to start. It's where, it's where I start. When I'm in doubt, I just sit, hold a hand. Sometimes don't have to say a word. Just be there for them, right? God is looking for people... He chose you, and he's looking for people who are able, not for those that have ability. He's looking for those that have availability. And so with all of us, I think that's real important. God chose you for the mission, and all you have to be is available, and he can equip you. So bullet point four, in order for the mission to be successful... Everyone needs to understand the importance their individual role plays and the importance of doing their part. When I first started coming to church, I wanted to figure out what my role was, and I wasn't really sure. I was a new Christian, and, and I'm in church, and I'm saying, okay, well, God, what, where do you want me? What do I do? I'm not, I'm not really sure about this. Um, and so I just kind of was one of those where... I tried this and I tried that and got involved in small groups and kind of figured it out along the way. Um, I love worship and I, I'm I'm really thankful for that I get to get up here and, and that I'm able to be a part of that. Um, standing up here in front of you today, I'm a nervous wreck. You know, not really comfortable being out front doing this, but God, uh, you don't you don't tell God and Mark no, so. So two people you don't say no to. So here I am. But I want to share this scripture with you, and I, I thought this was a neat, neat uh, bit of information. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach a unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How many of you know that Mark is a gift from God? He is. He's our pastor. And according to Ephesians, he is a gift from God to our church. See, God, if Mark's watching, he's looking at Jackie, he's saying, I told you I was a gift from God. <laughs> but Paul says that he is a gift from God, and that gift is used to equip his people for works of service. It's to equip us. It's to exhort. 
to edify, to teach us, to encourage us. That's his role. I used to think that if I dropped some money in the plate and I sent it to the pastor, that my work was done. Isn't that crazy that I would think that way? But I did. I thought as long as I was dropping something in the offering plate, the church takes care of that. That's not my job. Paul tells Timothy, though, in 2 Timothy 2.2, You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He's the pastor. He's teaching Timothy. Now teach these truths to others who will be able to pass them on to others. He tells him what his role is. See, our role as the body is once we're equipped is to take it outside these doors right here. And that's how the mission gets accomplished. And that's, to me, sometimes that's, that's tough for me. I've got to be honest with you because I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life. <laughs> I do. And so do you, right? All of us. We all have things, right? We all have families. We all have work. We all have responsibilities. But that mission's tied into all of it. Into all of it. There's never not an opportunity, right? There's always an opportunity to share the gospel. There's always an opportunity to share our faith. There's always an opportunity to see what God's doing in our lives because you and I are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we're all should be ready to go all the time. Now, I know that a lot of you have probably heard this story, but I'm going to share it because I thought it was pretty neat. You probably never heard of Edward Kimball. Some of you have if you've gone online and read this story before. But in the mid-1800s, he was a Sunday school teacher. Normal guy, Sunday school teacher, taught kids. I had the privilege of teaching kids at a, as, a, as a youth pastor in the church I was at before this, and it was like herding jellyfish sometimes uh, because they're all over the place. But there were moments when you got through and you would see the light bulb come on. And it was just such a great feeling to, to see that connection that would happen, you know, when they realized who God was in their life. But Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher, and he, he had this one student that just God put on his heart that he felt like, needed to know Christ. So this young student, high school student, worked in a shoe store, and Edward Kimball decided he was going to go and speak to him about the importance of it because God had really put it on his heart. He said, I didn't know what I was going to say. I just walked in there, looked at him, and said, young man, God's really put this on my heart. I feel like you need to know him. And so he did. He went by faith and went and talked to this young man. He walked out of the store. He said, I don't even know what I said. It, maybe he just... Didn't come out right. I don't know. Well, the young man's name was Dwight Moody. So Dwight Moody decides he's going to accept God. And he becomes one of the biggest evangelists of his time. Okay? The Moody Bible Institute. And he goes on to inspire a bunch of people and go on these crusades. So during one of his trips overseas to England... He inspires a guy by the last name of Meyer. And he invites Meyer to come and preach 
in the United States. So Meyer goes in and starts preaching. And he ends up touching the life of a guy named Wilbur Chapman. See where I'm going with this? The ripple effect? It started by just one act of going out and speaking into somebody's life. And now Wilbur Chapman goes out and influences a guy named Billy Sunday. And this is over the span of a hundred years. Billy Sunday ends up going out and he inspires a bunch of people in the area of Charlotte, North Carolina. And these business leaders end up inviting this guy named Mordecai Ham to come speak to the youth in their city. And some young sandy-haired kid from Central High School comes walking up there, listens to it, receives Christ. And his name is Billy Graham. That amazes me, right? That you and I, that God could use us to go out here on the street right now in Fairhope and speak to somebody who just needs to hear they're loved and that Jesus loves them and you won't ever see the fruit from it. You will one day, but you may not see it on this side of eternity. Just that of walking in obedience to what God has called you to do, to be compassionate to somebody and tell them about the joy that God put in your life. We go out and share it with the world and change the world. I I hope that story encourages you because every time I I read that story and hear it, I think, you know what? God can use me. And it can be a, a huge just change in the world. And it doesn't matter whether you're 9 or 90. God called Moses to go release the freest people from Israel, and Moses was 80. Amen? We're not done yet. David ran across the battlefield when he was a teenager with a bunch of grown men shaking in their armor, and he said, you guys don't know God the way I know him. He went out front. I want those moments. Don't you? Don't you want those moments where God will just give you that boldness and and where you can be like Elijah on Mount Carmel and he's looking at he's going come on you're not praying hard enough to your false god and he calls fire down or Nehemiah goes out and builds a wall protects the people around Jerusalem you know I want that boldness that comes with it but in order for me to do that I have to be willing to all these all these great stories of people in the Bible that, that God showed up, he didn't show up when they were on the couch. Right? I'm sorry, I didn't make anybody uncomfortable. Alright? I'm speaking to myself, okay? But he didn't show up when they were on the couch. He showed up when they were in the middle of it, when they were getting dirty. Alright? And then they called out and he showed up. A lot of times we sit at the house and we're like, God's not showing up today. You know? And you're like, well, you're in the air conditioning. You know? So you've got to be willing to step outside your comfort zone. And when you do, God will move. And I'm not talking about going out and doing something drastic and crazy. I've got people that I see that go overseas and do mission work. And God bless you. I love you. But you can start right here. And then God can bring you to that place. 
You know, but you can start small right in front of you. So it's, I really want to encourage you with that. Number five, the success of the mission will require hard work. It will require hard work. In Genesis 2:15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. He didn't create man just to hang out in the garden. Created him to work it and take care of it. To roll up your sleeves. It's to work. Whatever you do at work, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 The way I look at this is that I had somebody uh, say something to me one time. They said, our life is God's gift to us. How we live it is our gift to Him. And uh, that's always stuck with me, you know. So, in everything that, that we do, God gave us His very best. And so, I want to try to give Him my very best at whatever it is I'm doing. And, and I hope that you can take that same, that, that same path. You, notice you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the most dynamic speaker or, or you know, know how to play um, like third day or, or anything else. All you have to do is be willing, able, and say, God, I'm going to do my very best today for you. And if you do that, he will, he will definitely take over. And he'll provide everything you need for that moment. <clears throat> All right, number six. The success of the mission will require... Dedication. Do you ever have somebody say, I feel like God, I, I, I feel like I'm just far away from God right now. I just feel like God, I, I just can't, he's not speaking to me right now. I teach fire science to recruits when they become firefighters. And one of the things I show them is, that a fire, in order for a fire to exist, you have to have three components. So if you have a piece of paper with you, I want you to draw a triangle, okay? And on that triangle, on each side, I want you to write heat, oxygen, fuel. So in order, to be there, for, in order for there to be a fire, you have to have those three elements, okay? Now, it's, as a firefighter, it's important that we understand that concept. Because most of our extinguishing agents, or most of the way that we fight fire, is by removing one of those sides. So, for example, if we have a wood building that's on fire and we put water on it, we're removing the heat from it and we put the fire out. Okay? If we have a fuel fire, we put a foam on top of it and it creates a vapor barrier so the vapors can't get out. And so we're cutting off the fuel. All right? If we put CO2 on it, CO2 displaces oxygen. We use that on electrical fire. And we go ahead and we remove the oxygen from it. It puts the fire out. But there's a neat thing about fire. Fire just doesn't happen because I have those three elements. So just because I have heat, oxygen, and fuel doesn't mean there's going to be a fire. There's something called an uninhibited chain reaction that takes over. And this uninhibited chain reaction is, is the more heat that's applied... The more fuels created, the more oxygen's consumed, and it snowballs. And all of a sudden, this fire gets bigger and 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 bigger, and then 
So we either put it out or it uses up all its fuel or uses up all its oxygen. Okay? So how does that apply to my walk with God? Same triangle. Draw the same triangle out. And on one side of the triangle, I want you to put study. On one side, I want you to put prayer. And on another side, I want you to put action. Okay? Study, prayer, and action. So in the, what, what has to happen here in order for me to have that chain reaction I'm about to talk about, I have to every day get up and study. I have to be in the Word. I have to be in God's Word. It's living. It's breathing. It's a part of me. Okay? I have to pray and meditate on that Word daily. All right? And then I have to walk it out in faith. I have to take action. Okay? I have to apply what I've learned and what I've prayed about. When you do that, God begins to do something in your life. All right? And it starts to snowball. And you start getting what's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Which is God communicating to you and He's working through you. And all of a sudden, you and I start acting out in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You don't even know why you're doing it. (laughs) That's what cracks me up. I can be in a situation where if I'm praying like I'm supposed to, if I'm reading God's work like I'm supposed to, I'm walking it out in faith, that God will put people in my life, some people that I normally would not act nice to, and I'm acting nice. Why? You know? Or he'll put me in a situation where the flesh would handle it this way, but he has me handle it totally a different way. Is that, is that under my power that that's happening? No, it's not. Okay? Have you, so going back to that, have you heard people say that, I feel like God's just far away from me right now. I feel like I, I, I don't know where he's at. <sighs> you've probably removed one of these sides, and you've put your fire out. It's that simple. You know, God doesn't move. He's the same. He's where he's at. We move. Okay? And if you have a relationship with somebody, I love my wife. Married to my wife, she loves me. And we communicate. We spend time together. What happened if we stopped communicating? What do you think is going to happen? you think she's going to be nice to me and cook me dinner anymore? <laughs> she doesn't want to cook me dinner now. She tells me I've got to lose weight. But no, you end, up, you end up losing, if you don't communicate, you end up losing the relationship. So if you start feeling distant from God, I would encourage you, I would encourage you to dive back into the Word, to meditate on it, to pray. What does that action look like? That action may look like you just getting involved with a small group, getting some accountability built into your life. Some like-minded believers that are also trying to move forward. You know, I love Celebrate Recovery. doesn't matter what season of life you're in. We all have got things we deal with, right? And what is that? That's a group of like-minded believers getting together saying, I've got you and you've got me. And we're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to lift each other up. We're going to pray for each other. 
That's important. It's important that we have that in our life, no matter what season you are. I have a dear friend that's here today who came to encourage me. And he's one of those guys that I can pick up the phone and call at a moment's notice. And I love it because when I call him up and say, Shane, I got an issue. He'll say, okay, tell me what scripture verse you read today. (laughs) Really? You know, can you pray for me? Have you prayed for yourself? You want me to do all your heavy lifting for you? Right? But we all need those people in our life, don't we? You know? It's hard. We don't necessarily like that. A pastor once told me that sin is nothing more than the eye in the middle of the word. And so when I hear that, I remember that. It's not about me. It's about him. And I've got to do the things that I can do to stay in his his grace and his presence. And there's things then, and that's, that's real important. So under that, Acts 6-4, we give ourselves continually in prayer and the ministry of the word. Acts 6-4. Joshua 1-8, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Luke 9.23 Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Every day we need to sacrifice. That's number seven. And our final point. The success of the mission will require sacrifice. I used to really like watered-down Christianity. It made me comfortable. I like to be comfortable. When I became a firefighter, I really liked the idea of being a firefighter. I was young, and I liked the idea of being cool, you know, wearing a uniform and what we call kicking indoors and wetting down floors, right? (laughs) I loved that concept, right? But... Once I went through all this training and once I started learning it, I realized, you know what? I'm going to have to put myself in harm's way. I'm going to have to go inside a building that's eight, 900 degrees to try to save somebody's life and there's a chance I won't come out. I'm going to have to go out there and minister to people and help people on a scene that's covered with blood and this and that. and There's going to be all kinds of diseases out there. and I'm going to have to get right up in the middle of it. Are you sure you want to do this? Hmm. But if I don't go, who will? So I made up my mind that I was going to do it. And as a result, God has blessed me with a very rich and fulfilling career that's been filled with ups and filled with downs. I had to realize a long time ago that not everybody gets rescued. The first fire I ever made, I can tell you, I, I remember it was weather like this. I had just come on the fire department. We got a call for a house on fire with one trapped. We got out on the fire truck, and we're going against that blue sky. You could see the black smoke coming in the air. Got my gear on, heart's pounding. And we pull up on scene, and there's fire coming out every window of this house. 
We grab nozzles, we go in, we knock the fire down, we're searching. We find this guy and we pull him out of the house. We're high-fiving thinking, we got to save. And he died right there on scene. And I remember going back to the station and I felt very dejected, right? Here I am, this young, new fireman, and I'm thinking, man, we're supposed to save people. It never crossed my mind anywhere in my training that at some point, not everyone makes it. So I had a young driver that was there at the station. He had more experience than me, and he saw that I was upset about that. He said, Ken, what's going on? And I said, man, it just bothers me that, you know, we gave our best effort, and this guy didn't make it. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, you know what, Ken? He stood absolutely no chance if we didn't go. And that stuck with me. That's our walk, you and I, with the mission. It's our mission to go out and share the gospel with those that we love. Okay? Not everyone will be saved. Not everyone will be saved. But they stand absolutely no chance if you don't go. And you can't let that deter you. You know, you can't let that disappoint you. You know, you've got to keep going, keep trying, all right, all the way until our last breath. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require us getting uncomfortable, getting in the heat, getting out there in those situations, having those tough conversations. I don't know about you all, but I don't like rejection. I don't like it. I don't like being rejected. I don't think any of us do, right? We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel like we've done well. We all like the pat on the back, okay? And sometimes you have that tough conversation with somebody you love, and they look at you and say, hmm. And you just keep praying, keep smiling. What Jesus say? Wipe the dust off. Keep going, all right? And keep praying for them. Don't give up. I've seen some amazing things happen in my time. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is this. I want you to write this down. E-D-O-D. E-D-O-D. This is something that drives me every single day when my feet hit the floor. E-D-O-D. It stands for Estimated Date of Departure. I don't know if y'all know this, but the mortality rate in humans is high. And being in the profession that, I, that I'm in, I get to see that stark reality. I saw that stark reality this morning at 3.30 in the morning. When we made a call on somebody in an automobile accident that caught on fire. I don't know if he's going to make it or not. I see that stark reality every third day when I go to work. I've never met an atheist in the back of an ambulance. You know. But I do know this, that our time is limited. Okay? But I also know this, that we, every one of us in this room, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, that we will all see each other again. Amen? The victory is His. 
And he's asked each one of us to pick up our cross, to follow him and be a part of it together. I'm excited about that. I am. I'm excited I get to share it with every one of you. And we get to go outside these doors today, and we get to be a part of that mission. Can I pray for you? Father God, I love you so much. I'm thankful that you would choose to use somebody like me to deliver your word today. God, I'm thankful for everybody that's in this room, for everybody that's watching online. God, I pray that you would encourage us to know that we're part of the mission that you've called us to be a part of and that we could boldly and confidently go out there just knowing that you're just looking for somebody who's available who will say, that's my God, and I want to tell you the great things that he's doing and what he's done in my life. That you would put those people in our lives, our circle of influence, and that we would make a difference for eternity one person at a time. We love you so much. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.